Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. We're going to be in First Chronicles this morning. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. In 1 Kings chapter 2. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. My name is Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Hill City. Before we jump in, I just want to throw a couple things. I want to bring a couple things to your attention. Right now we have 20 people out in the town of Greeley, Colorado. Now you maybe have never heard of Greeley, Colorado, but it, they call it the Dirty G, okay? They're out, we have, we have a salt church plant that just started this fall, and we have 20 of our people out there uh, on a vision trip, just, just seeing what that's going to be about, see, uh, see how they can help. We actually had one of our students transferred out there to go to school, and she is part of this church plant, so be praying for them. And then this week, we actually have five people led by Bob. Bob was playing our drums today, but, but Bob is, uh, and a group of five people are headed to Perugia, Italy this week for a trip. So I'm going to ask you to please uh, keep them in your prayers as they go to help uh, out there, help, help, help Serge and Andy and, and the church out in uh, Perugia. So um, I'll tell you what, let's pray, and then I'm going to help me get my mind right here, and we're going to jump in, Okay. All right, God, we love you. Thank you that you are already here this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, show us something incredible from your word. Uh, transform us, change our hearts, and may we see you in this place this morning. So it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So <clears throat> a lot of you don't know this. Many of you do know this, but I have a native tongue. Say, so what are you talking about? Like, like there's just there's just a way that that I speak, and a lot of you don't get to experience this. Um, and it actually happened last night, and I'll tend to go into this native tongue around this time of year, okay, uh, more so than other times of year. So this literally happened last night. So I'm just going to speak a little bit of it for you, and then allow you to translate. Then I'm going to tell you what's going on here. So last night uh, I was kind of reaching out to some family members, and and uh, and I said this in my native tongue. So. Um, where's all them pics of dead deer? Okay, like, it's, gr it's grammatically disastrous. And what, what happened, so, so when Jenny and I were first together, I had gotten a phone call from one of my uncles, and I was talking to him, and it was about this time of year. 
and, and I just kind of went into my native tongue. And, I, and I'll spare you, most of you speak some of this, okay? Um, I just remember when I got off the phone, like, my wife was looking at me like, like, like kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's like, who was that? And I was like, it was, it was my uncle. She's like, no, who was that? <laughs> like, have you, I think she said something to the effect like, have you read a book this year? I'm, and I'm like, listen, it is what it is. I, I, this is just how it's going to be sometimes when I'm talking to a certain group. It's, it's my native tongue. Now, here's the thing. I only bring that to your attention. So I also have another thing of, uh, as part of my native tongue that it's actually it's not how I speak and what I say, but it's maybe what I don't say. And maybe some of you might feel this as well. And what I mean by that is, is I'm not always the best at, like, telling Say, Jenny, how much I love her, how much I appreciate her. I'm not awesome at telling my family. I'm not awesome at telling my friends. I'm not awesome at maybe telling you guys, like, what you mean to me and, and, and how grateful I am for you. And I, and I just sort of suppress that. And, and I'm only bringing that up because we are in part two here of David's last words. And two weeks ago we talked about it, and it was big picture about the kingdom, but here you have David's last words, and he's actually saying them to his son. And you can, you can read in 1 Kings, and you can just, I just want you to hear this. 1 Kings chapter 1 verse 1 says this, because here's where we are in David's life. Now, King David was old and advanced in years. And although they covered him with clothes, he could not get warm. And some of y'all are like, amen, this morning, okay? <laughs> but listen, David is about to go. And, and I just want to tell you this, I'm not trying to depress you. Th by God's grace, this is all of our stories one day. If we get to live a long life, that it's like, hey, we would be advanced in years. And it got me thinking, like, what will you say in the end? Because David's going to say something. What will you say? What will I say in the end? And as I was studying this, the Lord convicted me. I was like, well, why would I say it in the end? Why would I not just say it now? And I hope that what I would say at the end, maybe to my family, maybe to Jenny, maybe to y'all, I hope that what I would say in the end would only just be echoes of what I've said my whole life. But I just want to challenge you this morning, and, and whatever that might be, like, like think about it, but then say it now. So what will you say in the end? And then it just kind of led me down this road. Like, okay, not just that, but like then what will be said about you in the end? Because here we have King David. He's at the end of his life and a life full of victories and failures. And he sums up what he wants to tell his son Solomon. Now, in the context of what he's telling Solomon here, all of this today, I want you to get this, is in light of Solomon's duty to sit on the throne once David is gone, but even more important, Solomon's duty to build the temple. David really wanted to build this temple, but God said no. But the presence of God with his people was a priority to David, and he's telling Solomon, listen, here's what you're going to need to hear from me if you are going to rule well and if you're going to see to it that this temple is built. 
So we're going to look at six things that David tells his son. And these six things are very practical for us. So my prayer all week has been that you would hear the kind voice of God the Father that would be telling you the same thing. And some of you may have been blessed with a father that, have told, that he's told you things that are similar. But some of you have not. But I just want to remove the excuse from, from any of us that maybe, that maybe that didn't have a father that did this. I want to remove, remove the excuse and say, no, listen, the kind voice of God the Father speaks to us this morning. What is it that David says? And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. So here in 1 Chronicles 28, we have our first three of six. And here they are. Listen, we're not going to overcomplicate this this morning. David says, listen, if you're going to do this, you need to know God. You need to serve God. And you need to seek God. So may the kind voice of God the Father this morning be whispering to you, hey, know me, serve me, seek me. So let's talk about knowing God first. This word in Hebrew, it's this word yada. Now it's, it's more than just this intellectual, yeah, I know who he is, I know about him. This is the same word that we see in Genesis chapter 4 in verse 1. Let's talk about Adam and Eve in verse, excuse me. Happened a lot today. So Chapter 4, verse 1 is Adam and Eve. Chapter 4, verse 17 is actually Cain. And it says this, and Adam knew his wife. And Cain knew his wife. And the sentence that came after both of those is this, and she conceived. It's the same word that is used here when David says, know the God of your father. So right out of the gate, I want you to know when David's saying, Listen, Solomon, you've got to know God the Father. I mean, you have to have a personal, deep relationship with God. So how can one tell if one might know another? Let's just keep it pretty simple. Perhaps maybe by asking or paying attention to what it is that someone says and doesn't say. Perhaps maybe by asking what it is that someone loves and doesn't love. Do I know this person? So just go with me here. Just imagine that someone's like, man, it's, it's, it's Brad's birthday. I'm going to surprise him because I know him. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to go shopping. Like to all the retail stores. We're going to try on all kinds of clothes. And then after he picks them out, he's going to love this. And then we're going to go get our pictures taken. Okay, listen, I, I used that example with my wife yesterday. She's like, that, that's a dumb illustration. No one's going to buy that. I'm like, that's my point. No one who even knows me like this much is, thinks he'll love that. And Jenny does know me, right? Because actually this year on my birthday, it was, it was awesome. Like I had, a, I had an early morning breakfast meeting and I came home and she's awake and she's like, hey, put your golf clothes on. I'm like, funny, ha ha. She's like, no, put your golf clothes on. We got to go. I'm like, are you serious? Now, it's a long story I can tell you later. Bottom line is she, like, surprised me, took me golfing. She and I golf. She's better than me, by the way. 
She wouldn't tell you that, but she is. We golfed together. And then we went and ate. Oh, I love to eat. Right? Why would Jenny, why would she surprise me that? Because she knows me. Do you know God? It's like, Brad, I come to church every Sunday. I know. Listen, we're Midwesterners. We're Southwest Missouri, salt of the earth people. That's what we do. We come to church on Sundays. So what? Do you know God? Do you have an intimate and personal relationship with him? And then I'm not trying to shame anyone here. I just want to ask you, and if it's like, yes, then I'm going to ask you this. What did he say? What does he love? And I know that he's, well, he loves me. Yes. What else, what does he hate? Do you know God? You can know God. And I just want you to know if you're new here, like the people at this church, here's what we're doing. We're not special. We're not people who know God better than anybody else. We're just a group of people who have committed together. We're just going to try to get to know God more and more for the rest of our lives, and we want you to join us. It's Danny Mack. He always has this saying, and I love it. Here's what he says. He says, the heart can't love or the heart can't worship what the mind doesn't know. So what are we going to do? We're just going to try our best to continue to get to know God more and more and more. And Solomon is told by his dad, listen, know God. And I want you to hear that this morning. Next, he says, serve God. But not just serve, he says, with a whole heart and with a willing mind. With a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all, the heart, all hearts and understands every plan and thought. So what does he mean when he says wholeheartedly? Listen, Solomon was to be solely devoted to God's glory and serve God even before serving the kingdom. And for a king to be solely devoted to another's glory, that's pretty hard for a king who sits on the throne. But we all get that, don't we? To be solely devoted to God's glory and not our own, that's hard. saying, Solomon, you got to serve God. you got to do it first before you even serve this kingdom that God gave you. And for us, we can hear this morning the kind voice of God saying, listen, I want you to serve me wholeheartedly. That means with all that you have and with all that you are, serve me. That means we're not going to live our lives. We're going to have Christian lives that are compartmentalized. Say, so what do you mean by that? That means this. We, listen, we can't invite God into our marriages and then not invite him to work. That's not serving God wholeheartedly. Like we don't have our church life and our church people, and then over here we got our other sort of life that's just silly. No, listen, wholeheartedly serving God in every single area of our lives. In our homes, he's invited into every single room. We serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. That means we do this joyfully. It's not like, oh got to give again. No, we do it joyfully. We, we, we make spirit-led decisions. Why? Because God knows already. Listen to this. Do it because it says, listen, the Lord searches all hearts. That means yours and mine. He searches our hearts and he understands every plan and thought. So listen, I'm, let's, and I don't mean 
you just got to hear me out here. I'm, I'm asking this in love. Like, why are you here? God knows why you're here. He will not be mocked. Well, I want a good family. I want a good marriage. That's good. It's, it's good to want those things. And you're, and you're in a right spot for that. But listen, you don't get to just leverage God for, and, and just have him in some of these areas that you'd like to have. We're going to talk about that in a minute in the next one, actually. Let's just go right to it. So you don't just know God. You don't just serve God. He said, so you need to seek God. Solomon, you seek God. He'll, he, he'll be found. He's there. He'll answer. He's right there. Where do we seek God? Listen, I'm not ever going to say anything new up here. So if you're coming here on edge, like, man, is he going to say something I've never heard before? It's not going to happen. Where do we seek God? It's been, in, been here for thousands of years. We go to his word and we pray. Now listen, you have some people, they talk about that and they, they like, well, that's legalistic, saying that I should read my Bible and that I should pray. Are you being legalistic? No, that's not legalism. Don't hear that junk. This is where God will speak to you. This is where he is to be found. You go to him first to get wisdom from him in all things. You get your counsel from him first. Jesus told us a thing or two about seeking. Did he not? Matthew 6, Here's what he says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now listen, you need to go to Matthew 6 and read the verses prior to verse 33. Because in context, he's talking to people who are anxious. I think it's plausible that we could say, if we were going to put a banner over our culture, welcome to the United States. Here's what it would say. Welcome to the United States. Anxiety lives here. Amen? Maybe it's because we're a culture that does not seek God. Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things that are causing you anxiety, all these things that you worry about, then all these things will be added to you. And here's the deal. In the Midwest, I'm not even talking about United States. I'm talking about Midwest, Springfield, Missouri. We live in a culture where it's common to seek the benefits that may come from God, but not seek God. And that's what I'm talking about. Why are you here? I hope that you're here for a person, the creator of the universe and not just for the stuff that this person might be able to offer you. Know God, serve God, and seek God. So here's the question, what are you seeking? Like we all grew up playing hide and seek, right? It mattered so much to us, we had to go find our friends. It mattered so much that we, none of us hit our eyes, we peeked. Where's he gonna be? We diligently went after our friends, right? We sought them. 
And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you will seek God, if you will seek life that only can be found in his son, Jesus Christ, you will find joy. You will find actually happiness. Now here's the good news about God that's different from our friends is God's not hiding. You can seek him and he's like, I'm right here. It's the easiest game of hide and seek I've ever played in my life. He's right there, ready to hear from you. You draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Know God, seek God, serve God. Now, before we go to our next three, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, David is saying this because we love this word, especially you might be a skeptic in the room, right? Maybe you're just here with a friend or whatever. You're here because your wife wants you to be here. It's like, David's a hypocrite. He He didn't even do those things. How can he say that? Well, here's what's written of David. Because the Bible, listen, the Bible's not tricking us. 1 Kings chapter 15, 5 says this about David. God's word, Holy Spirit, breathe this out. David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not turn aside from anything that the Lord commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So it's not tricking us. Yeah, he had sin. He messed a lot of stuff up. David was far from perfect. But listen, we have to understand, David's not some storybook character. David was a real man who lived a real life. He had real failures. But David was a man who was forgiven. David was a man who repented. David was a man who trusted God. And knew that he was a God of mercy and knew that he was a God of grace. So here's what he tells his son Solomon. He tells him all this stuff, but he does it confidently. He confidently gives Solomon this advice. Because he trusted God. And I want to tell you this morning, because there are people in this room. Guess what? 100% of us in this room, we also have failures. And there's nothing more the enemy would want to be like, you can't tell that to people. Who are you to tell people? to serve me and to seek me and to know me with what you've done. And I want you to just, this morning, you can trust in the saving power of Jesus Christ and you can confidently receive this advice from the kind voice of God your Father and then you can confidently give this advice to the people in your lives because of Jesus. So is David a hypocrite? Well, heck yeah, he's a hypocrite and so am I and so are you. Thanks be to Jesus Christ that we still can say this stuff confidently. Amen, Hell City? Let's move on. Three other things that he says. 1 Kings chapter 2, 1, 3. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of the earth. Listen, I'm about to die. It's about over. Here's what he tells his son. Be strong. Show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God. So I'm going to combine the first two. It says, be strong, show yourself a man. Saying, listen, you're going to have to rule. This is about strength. This is about courage. This is about character. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm not talking about David telling Solomon, hey, suck it up. No, no, this is about integrity. You've got to be made of the right stuff because it's going to get hard. And when the storm comes, and listen to me, it's like a building, right? When the storm comes, if it has any integrity at all, it will withstand that storm. Be strong like a building is strong that's built with integrity. 
Solomon's going to have to be strong. Why? Because people are going to try to undermine his leadership. They're going to try to take his throne. He's going to have to have some integrity. He's going to have to be willing to make hard decisions. He's got to be willing to rule rightly. So practically, you're like, oh, I'm not a king. I'm not sitting on a throne. No, listen. If you and I are going to truly follow Jesus in these coming days, in these coming years, If we don't have strength, we will fold. Listen, I'm seeing this happen left and right. You better have courage. It's going to take some character. It's only going to get harder in our culture to follow Jesus. I'm not telling you that to discourage you. I'm actually happy about it because it's just going to weed out the fakes. So, Brad, what are you talking about? Okay, here we go. You ready? If you're not following Jesus this morning, some of this is not going to make any sense to you, and I get that. It's going to be harder in our culture to say Jesus is the only way. There's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to eternal life but in Je- through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you're going to be called a bigot for saying that. Listen to me, it's going to get harder to say, listen, I can't support that because, listen, I follow Jesus. I can't celebrate that with you because I have a king, and I love that king more than anything else, and I love what he loves, and I'm grieved by what grieves him, and that's going to be harder and harder to say. And here's our reality. I don't mean, I'm I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm just telling you, some of you won't say those things, and it's not because you don't have the courage to say it. It's because you don't believe them. There's an old quote from a pastor back in the 60s. Here's what he said. Men are like rivers. They become crooked by following the path of least resistance. In other words, if you lack integrity, if you're not made of the right stuff, listen to me, there is going to be resistance. Jesus told us they're going to hate you. They're going to hate you. You've got to be made of the right stuff. And that's, that's being led by the Holy Spirit. Be strong. Show yourself a man. That's about strength and courage and character. But strength and courage and character, listen, if it's not grounded in godliness, it will eventually become harmful. Strength and courage and character, listen, it's got to be grounded in, maybe another word to say, it's got to be grounded in holiness, which just leads us to our sixth thing where, where Solomon is told by David, keep the charge of the Lord your God. Well, what's he mean by that? Well, he goes on to say it. Here's what it is. Ready? What does it mean to keep charge of the Lord your God? Walk in his ways. Wait a minute. There's that, word, there, there's that path language. Walk, go a certain way that we've talked about through this whole series. Keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies. That is written in the law of Moses. Like, oh my gosh, we, listen. Hello, America. We don't like rules. We don't like to be told what to do. We don't like statutes. We don't like, we don't like this list of things. Wait a minute. I got to keep those? Yes, true strength, true courage. Listen, it is only found on the pages of this breathed out 
awesome word of God. This is where you're going to find it. And his rules and his statutes and his commandments. It says in the law of Moses, but we know because we have our New Testament, what is the law of Moses? Well, it all hangs on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and strength. And love others as yourself. Are we keeping, are we keeping that? Be strong. Show yourself a man. Keep charge of the Lord your God. Now, i got to remind you, all six of these are in light of a task, ruling God's people, building a temple. David really wanted to build this temple, but God said no. God said, David, you're not going to be the one to build this temple. Your son's going to be the one to build this temple. What does David not do when God says no, David? David doesn't pout. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to take all my money. I'm going to take all my stuff. I'm leaving. Going to the lake. What does David do? Hear me, Hill City. Especially if you're 40 years old or older, hear me. What does David do when God told him no? He helps the next generation and sees to it that they will be able to do it. First Chronicles 28.10. First Chronicles 28.10. Listen, he's kind of repetitive in what he says here. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Now be strong and do it. Be strong and do it. Make sure that you see that the presence of God is a priority. Why? Because in 1 Kings chapter 8, it says this, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. Listen, this advice a father is giving to his son here, it's about way more than, buddy, I hope you have a nice life. I want you to have a good life. That's not the heart of David. And it shouldn't be the heart of us parents. We shouldn't be giving our kids advice so that they have a nice life. We're we're Christ followers. David didn't just say some stuff at the end of his life that sounded good. What else did he do? First Chronicles 29. I'm not going to read it all. You can read it. Here's what David did. He gave his entire life's work, all of his treasures, everything he had. He used all of his influence to see to it that this temple was going to be built, to see to it that God's presence was with God's people. He did all that he could do. Even in his failures, he did all that he did. He gave all that he had. And listen to what he says in 1 Chronicles 29. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? I mean, I'm just giving it all. Here's what he said. He's talking to God. For all things come from you, and of your own have we given to you. See, sometimes we go Cousin Eddie with God, don't we? You remember when Cousin Eddie's uh, uh, shopping with Clark? And I mean, Clark's buying everything. He's throwing the dog, right? And Cousin Eddie's like, Clark, why don't you get yourself something real nice? Remember that? That's kind of like how we do with God sometimes. Look at me. It's all God's. It's all God's. And sometimes we're like, God, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, but buddy. I'm going to give you some stuff. Let you do something with it. Get yourself something, God. That's, this wasn't David's posture. He gave everything he had. Why? 
Because the presence of God was a priority. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 10. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. That's it? That's the sentence? Yep. Oh, there... Okay, we read about it in Acts chapter 13. That was Old Testament. Acts chapter 13, it said this. After he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. What will be said about you? If you're serving communion, I want you to come forward. What will be said about you? See, David, actually, I, I said there were six things. There's actually a bonus number seven. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I want you to hear 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Then David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And some of you, you're sitting here and you're hearing this and the Holy Spirit's doing something. You're like, wait a minute, that's got like a similar ring to it. I've heard this before, but I didn't know this was in First Chronicles. I've heard this before. And you have. Something very similar. See, Ephesians chapter 2. Like, you know what I'm going to mean. Hey, we're not going to very many weeks without reading Ephesians chapter 2 around here. Let me read it. Stay with me, okay? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. You go down to verse 10. Now listen, he made us alive. By grace we've been saved. Verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What, this path? God has called you to a work. I'm not talking about working for your salvation. I'm talking about those of us who are following Jesus Christ. There is a work that we are supposed to do. And you're like, Brad, I think I got it, but there's something else still ringing in my ear. I'm like, you're absolutely right. It's Matthew chapter 28. You've heard this before. said to them, all authority is given on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always. Listen, you are here for a reason. There is a work that God has prepared for you to do. Just like Solomon was supposed to build a temple, the presence of God matters, but it's the same thing. 
What is it that we are supposed to do? We're supposed to know him. We're supposed to serve him. We're supposed to seek him. It's gonna take strength. It's gonna take courage. It's gonna take character. We're supposed to obey him. Why do we do it? Here it is. So that all the earth will know that Jesus is king and that there is no other. The same reason they were gonna build a temple. That's your why. That's why we're here. Father, we're before you today. We're seeking you. We want to know you. Transform our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Just stand with me. Each week we receive communion here. station under the lights here. We have two stations uh, in the aisle. Front third will be down front, middle third in the middle, back third back there. In the balcony, we have a couple stations for you. This is Listen, this is a meal for those of us who are following Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're like, man, I don't, I don't even think I know God. I want you to know that you can. He stands ready to meet you. You can follow him for the very first time today. There are going to be people down front, elders, staff, we would love to pray with you. But if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we'd kindly ask, kindly ask you to set this meal out. For those of us who are following Jesus, he's made a way for us. We can only do what he's called us to do because of Jesus Christ. We come to the table to celebrate him this morning.